do you want to kick off and tell us a little bit about who Kazoo are, who yeah. you are? Okay, so um, while we're here, cool. So I'm Bob. I'm a software architect. Pleasure. Um, I'm currently working for Kazoo. Okay. We are a used car startup from the UK. Yeah. Um, we're launching in a few weeks, and hopefully by this time next year, your mum and your nan will have heard of us. <laughs> That's Okay. What's Kazoo's mission? Cool. So Kazoo's mission, I mean, it literally says it on the top of our stationery, I think. Kazoo's yep. mission is to transform the way people buy used cars okay. in the UK. Um, so right now, uh, the used car market is characterized by sort of low trust okay. and poor convenience, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a joke people have, which is whenever I say, you know, I'm working for a used car startup, they sort of look at you and go, are you a used car salesman? <laughs> and that says everything. Right? That tells you right. everything you need to know about yeah. the industry, but it's yeah. like a joke even to be in it. Yeah. Um, so right now, if you want to buy a car, you've got sort of two routes. Okay. If you know exactly what you want, mm -hmm. then you look on Auto Trader or Hay Car. Yeah, of course. There's one guy in Glasgow who's got one. Okay. But you're not going there, so you get the next best thing, and that's in Birmingham, but at least you can get there and back in a day. Yeah. Or if you don't know what you want, you just go to a dealership. Yeah. And they've got like 30 cars on a forecourt. And at some point, you're going to drive one of these cars around, and you're not a mechanic, so you don't know what you're going to look for. Yeah. And then eventually you pull the trigger and you have to go in an airless room with some shiny suited lizard person who wants to upsell you <laughs> because his commission is coming off the finance, right? And the insurance and the tire cover yeah. and the exhaust or the add-on, yeah, so he just piles it on. Yeah, you don't want any of that, right? So um, it's horrible. People hate it. Yeah. So what Kazoo wants to do instead is um, we're not like a listing site. We own right. all of our stock. Okay. We have about 1,500 cars yep. at launch. You go to the website, yep. um, we've put all of our cars through a 150-point uh, inspection process, okay. so you know that they're good quality. You yep. choose a car, you buy it, just like you buy any e-commerce product. Yep. Three days later, we'll deliver it to your house. Yep. If you don't like it, then within seven days, you can return it. No questions asked, four months back. Okay. Um, so my mate bought one during the private beta, and he returned it because... I think on day three it rained, and then he realised that the windscreen wipers made a really annoying slapping noise. And that and was from the that, point, that was it. From that point on, everything about the car just needled him, right? Right. Okay. And that's the kind of thing you don't get from test drive. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. So you know, he returned it, and it was all good. So a fully integrated mm -hmm. delivery for cars. Basically, yeah. So we own the stock. We've refurbed them, so you know it's not going to be crap. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring it to your house, and we'll look after you. Cool. Pitch. Your software architect, talk mm -hmm. to us about that journey from technology to customer and yeah. how are you leveraging technology to give customers an unbelievable service? Yes, there's a bunch of things. I mean, right now, um, I think we need to think about there's sort of discrete categories of problems, right? So there's, yeah. the, there's the business proposition, yeah. quality and convenience and stuff. Um, right now, we're focused on the website because okay. you need to have a website in order not to have any to customers. To be present, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting work for Kazoo will be on the logistics side. Okay. Um, so I wasn't made for five years. Yeah. Um, made, the interesting stuff isn't the website, right? Anyone can build an e-commerce right. website. Yep. The difficult stuff is the supply chain management, the procurement, the warehousing. Okay. That's going to be even more true of Kazoo, right? Okay. So we've got 10 grand products. Okay. That we need to put them through this ridiculously complex refurb process and make sure everything's pretty and imaged. Yeah. That stuff's going to be tricky. So the technology, I think... The bulk of the technology work we do will be to support those back-end processes. Right, okay. Um, so at the moment, I think the biggest way technology supports us is in 
the ability we get to deliver, like the speed of delivery, the okay. speed of experimentation. Yeah. Um, that's why we've sort of taken the technology choices we have. Okay. So from, um, I guess, from a technology and infrastructure standpoint, tell us what is actually going on under the hood. Okay. So that customers won't see that. Yeah. Customers probably don't care yeah, okay. how their food gets to them, how their cars get to them. Yeah. We care. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what's going on under the hood. Okay, so uh, Kazoo is a cloud-native technology organization. Cool. Uh, we're 100% hosted in AWS. Okay. Um, and we are 100% serverless. Okay. So we nice. use uh, TypeScript top to bottom as our one language to rule them all. Yeah. Uh, so on the back end, we've got TypeScript, Node, Lambda. Yeah. On the front end, we've got TypeScript with React. Cool. Um, and we are building... Um, I've been doing event-driven architectures, sort of like DDD for like about a decade. So we're bringing awesome. those same techniques to an AWS Lambda environment. Okay. Um, so the same kind of understanding your service boundaries in terms of systems that do some work and then raise events so other things can do it. Okay. We're building that on top of AWS Lambda. Fine. Um, talk to us about, I guess, maybe some of the events or some of the challenges that you and the team know you will face but using that 10, 10 years experience of DDD, event-driven architectures, what can you foresee that yeah. will happen? And what advice would you give to someone building a service like this, if someone's yeah. listening? Okay. Um, I think the biggest challenges I have at the moment are down to the pace and scale of okay. ambition. Right? Yeah. So we built the first version of the application in 90 days. Wow. Um, so we went from a standing start to you can buy a car on the internet and have it delivered to your house in 90 days. Um, the speed of it is just is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so a few months ago, we had nobody. We yeah. now have like seven squads of developers yeah. all shooting off in their own direction. So okay. the biggest challenge for me, I think, is um, in how we make sure those kind of technical visions are aligned yeah. and that everything sort of yeah, works out okay. at the end. So most of what I'm spending my time on is those kind of socio-technical boundaries, right? Fine. So which teams own which systems and yeah. how do they interact with one another? Uh, Event-driven architecture helps that. Okay. Uh, because what we do is we define the interaction between things in terms of um, events that one system is going to raise. We can publish like the schema for that. We agree that between teams. Yeah. And that's the contract between the systems. Fine. And really that's the only level of coupling you have between those systems, right? Is that there is some event with a name and some data. Yeah. Um, so you're not coupled to your endpoints or okay. to temporal stuff or any of that. It's literally just a document that's going to get moved around. Fine. Um, so if anyone else is in that same situation, if you're like trying to scale from nothing to seven squads in six months, um, then I think the biggest the biggest challenges I think are making sure that you have a clear set of architectural principles yep. so that people are able to deliver by themselves. Fine. Um, and that you pay close attention to the ownership boundaries, like which team owns which piece, so they can do that without trading on each other's toes. Fine. How are they broken up into seven squads? Yeah. Um, so they are roughly aligned to uh, business capabilities. Okay. So the business capabilities we've got are like, you know, we buy cars, we make the cars, you know, better. Yeah. We sell the cars, we deliver the cars, we yeah. look after customers, et cetera, et cetera. So each team um, is aligned to one of those value streams, mm -hmm. right? One of those kind of activities. 
Um, and they are a full stack cross-functional team. So they've cool. got front-end experts, they've got back-end experts, they've yep. got a product owner, an engineering manager okay. in one squad. So in theory, they have everything that they need to be able to deliver an initiative from start to finish that's going to move the needle on their particular business activity. Good. Okay. Um, how do you how do you create a relationship between product and engineering, or how do you, from an architecture standpoint, like to try and empower that? Because it's massively important yeah. in today's industry that they're so closely aligned. How do you try and push that through the organisation, especially in what? six months yep. up to seven squads it's a lot of scale mm -hmm. with the tech challenges yeah how do you do that and what sort of challenges do come about well i mean well, i guess we'll find out when we go live right, right um, okay. so um i think it helps very much that the we have a product engineering team okay um and that goes right from the top right so the top there's a cto yeah and then his direct reports to me yeah he cares about technology Ian, our engineering director, who cares about sort of people and line management. Yep. And then Louis, who is the head of product. Yep. Okay. And we are the direct reports of the CTO. Fine. Uh, so right at the top, we treat it as a single indivisible entity. Yep. Um, I mean, it's always, to some degree, there's always a bit of um, territorial scrapping, right? Um, so the product, <laughs> product want to own sort of the backlog and all the rest of it. And yep. technology want to... Um, be given problems to solve. Yeah, um, we're still trying to find exactly what that balance is. Yeah, um, but I think one thing that definitely helps is we try and do a lot of collaborative modeling exercises. Okay, so we do a lot of story mapping and example mapping yep. and event storming, where we are building a shared understanding of what the problem space is and what we think the solutions are. Okay, uh, and then product. The role of a product owner then is to understand which parts of that journey are the most important to deliver so that we can manage the expectations of the business and plan around right. that. Nice, okay. Um, going back to some of the technologies and tools that you've used, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't actually touch on maybe some of the, the whys or the pros or maybe some cons that could come. Yeah. Talk to us about the, the tech and the tool set that you've got and that you've chosen. Obviously, senior management mm -hmm. have said, let's use that. Why is that? Yeah. So why serverless? Um, I guess the, the biggest reason is that when you have a Greenfields project, yep. um, you want to be making those long bets. Okay. So when I'm making those long bets, I'm looking at the kind of three to five year horizon. Yeah. And starting now, I don't think the three to five year horizon is deploying Docker. I think the three to five year horizon is serverless. Okay. So that was our long bet. Um, in terms of what we get as a result, um, is that speed of experimentation, right? So the other day I deployed something. I'd written some code on a train. Okay. Uh, it was like a piece of tooling to help end-to-end -end testing. Is this right? the Thames link? Yeah, on the Thames link of King's Cross, right? <laughs> so I wrote some code and it's a tool to help um, engineers test okay. some things that are otherwise hard to test, right? Mm -hmm. um, then I got into the office and I deployed it. Mm -hmm. And this thing requires... An API gateway okay. that's basically a web server that supports web sockets. There's like three or four listeners on those event sockets. Yep. Then there's a Dynamo table for some state. And there's some stuff we need to do around security and authentication. Yeah, I can literally go to my terminal and type "servers deploy" and it's there. Okay, right? If I had to do that on EC2 instances and had to provision a database and had to talk with ops about getting credentials and about the backup schedule and like the security groups and all of that stuff, yep. never would have happened. Okay. Because the 
that piece of work wouldn't have ever been prioritized because the cognitive load of getting it done is just too great, right? Okay. So what service lets us do is drive the cost of that cognitive load of like infrastructure management like close to zero. Good. So the okay. developers don't care, right? They just right. write code, we ship it, and it works, and they're empowered to do that. Good. Um, and then the challenge there is to make sure that we provide guide guardrails, right? All right. So we're doing a lot of work on automated governance so that we can let developers go fast without needing that human oversight. Fine. So our ambition is to not have a full-time ops team, yeah. but the platform team is building out tools that help developers yeah. deploy more quickly and okay. safely. Okay, nice, okay. Does that tie into developer experience at all or am I going off-piste here? No, it absolutely does. So um, the... Because that's, coming, that's becoming more and more fashionable, yeah. the developer experience role. Yeah. Um, so, no, that's cool. So we have a we have a platform team. Okay. Um, and their mission is to build tools that help teams deploy quickly and safely. Okay. So that's not just sort of you know looking after the CI pipeline. That's uh, managing like observability stuff. Uh, we're doing a lot of work with AWS Config. Okay. So that we can make sure that what you've deployed meets our um, like our best practice guidelines. Yeah. Um, we do work where when you deploy something, we automatically instrument it and add alarms so you don't have to think about that. So it's really that stuff, right? It's taking yeah. all the stuff that developers don't want to think about and automating it away okay. so that developers are empowered to say with their product owner, we think that if we make this change to the website, it will have this kind of effect on our metrics so that's yeah. what we're going to go and do and they can just go and do it in the course of a couple of days and they don't have to think about anything else nice okay that's the goal okay um if we touch on let's going in let's go into 2020 mm -hmm. you're live yeah what do you think from a technology or even product perspective you may not be able to tell us too much about product to be fair thinking about that but from an engineering perspective what do you think could happen next year or what should you be considering yep. for next year? Yeah, so the... As you scale, I can imagine. The big thing I'm thinking about at the moment is uh, micro front ends. So I know you spoke to Luca last That's time. That's it, Luca yeah. Mesilera. Here's a shout out for yeah. you. All right, mate, I need to catch up with you at some point <laughs> and ask you a whole bunch of questions. Um, so, yeah, so... We've been trying to align teams to these um, these value streams, right? Okay. So every team owns a business activity. It yep. might be, say, consumer finance, right? Yep. And in consumer finance, you've got a bunch of APIs that need to talk to various providers. Then you've also got this user journey you have to go through. Mm -hmm. and you've got some tools that customer service need. And if you want one team to own all of that, yep. then at some point you have to say, how does the consumer finance application sit into the rest of my checkout right, journey? Right, gotcha, yep. Um, so we're looking at how do we actually compose our application from a whole bunch of these separate stacks. Yeah. And that drives you towards a kind of micro front ends um, approach. Okay. The other thing I think that's interesting is we are looking at how we integrate with our analytics teams. Yeah. So we have all this kind of natural observability anyway because yep. we're raising events between systems and you can watch those and see what they're doing. Yeah. We're also introducing like back channels for telemetry. Fine. So that when you go and you make a search, we can say, you search for X and return this number of results. Yeah. What that means we can do is our analytics teams can ask really rich questions. Like, okay. how often does someone come to the site and we can't offer them any 
weekend delivery slots. How often does that kind of thing happen? Yep, gotcha. Um, and by building in this kind of telemetry and these really rich data streams, yep. our analytics team can go and do that without needing any more input from engineering. Um, so that, I think those are the two big things, kind of observability and these kind of micro front ends. That's really well articulated. Okay. So if, if you're an engineer mm -hmm. and you're thinking about joining Desert Kazoo, joining a couple of other organizations that are based in London, what do you like to look for yeah. in an engineer? Because I won't even push this thought to you, but soft skills becoming really prevalent. Yes, tech skills are obviously a hard requirement, but what do you like to look for in engineers that engineers can think about this and reflect on? Yeah, so we have a very XP-oriented culture, right? So we do TDD and we do okay. continuous all the things yeah. and we do a lot of pair programming. Mm -hmm. um, I've had more or less the same interview process for the last decade. Okay. Um, so we do like a whiteboard session where we get you to draw your, yeah. your the last thing you built on. We'll talk through the technical decisions you made and yeah. why. Um, and then we'll do a pair programming session where okay. we get you to write some code and we'll do a TDD exercise. Yeah. And it doesn't matter too much if you don't have great TDD skills. Okay. Because really the two things we're looking for in that session are one, you are able to form a consistent mental model of the problem and explain what you're doing. Okay. And two, you're not an asshole. Um, okay. <laughs> because you, we can teach you most of like the coding stuff, right? Yep. What we want to know is you can you work effectively with others and explain yep. this complex thing you're trying to build as you go. Okay. And I think that's really key, right? How, how do you calibrate for non-asshole yeah. in an interview? And what signs, what signs do you look for in engineers? Yeah. You probably decade you've worked with bundles of engineers yeah. what do you look for that tells me this guy could be a little bit toxic yeah it's tricky right so um it's difficult because a lot of the time it's you have that hunch right you mm -hmm. come away from an interview and you think I don't want to work with that person. I don't really know why. Yeah. But that's very difficult because obviously you need to be able to give meaningful feedback. Yeah. So um, things we try to do are we will um, try and guide the candidate down a particular path. So if we okay. think maybe you know their TDD skills aren't up to scratch in one area, yeah. we'll give them some coaching during the session. Um, good candidates will lap that up, right? They'll be like, oh, that's cool. And you can show them something and that they're on it. Yeah, um, I've had good candidates where they've come in with no TDD skills whatsoever. Yeah, and by the end of it, you know they're writing tests and refactoring, and they've got it. And I'm like, yes, you. <laughs> um, I've had candidates where um, at the end of the session, you're like, we have to stop now, and they're like, no, I need, I need to finish this. I'm like, yes, you, absolutely, right. So okay. it's, it's those little things, right? Like you get a sense of what someone is like to work with. Yeah, that's what you want. Good, I love that. Okay, do you have any message that you would like? Yeah. Question. Wow, man. Any message? Uh, my message to humanity? Um, no, not really. Obviously, you know, we're hiring. You should come and work with me. Um, it's a lot of fun and it's really fast and I need a lot of engineers. So there you, you go. Know, get stuck in. Join on board. Bob Gregory. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io, it's no underscore. We've also got a website which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. 
Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.